Hello and welcome to the Doxology Podcast. My name is Jen Snelson and with me today, as always, is Lucas Stock. This is a podcast dedicated to journeying together on the road that is the Christian faith. We thank you for joining us as we explore, discuss, and grow together as followers of Christ. So today, we're just going to jump right in. Um, Hopefully today is going to be one of the most applicable episodes that you'll ever listen to. Um, Of any podcast or sermon or book you read or class you take ever. Ever. Because here's the thing. This is sort of my thesis. This is something I was thinking about a lot in preparation for this episode. It seems like one of the most pressing issues in all of the New Testament letters. So obviously the Gospels, it's, the Gospels are you know, telling us the story about Jesus from four different perspectives, and there's a lot of really important things in there. Um, but when people like Paul and James and John start writing letters, uh, first of all, they're writing to churches, so they're writing to b- believers, um, and it seems like the majority of what they have to say is about this idea of Christian love. Even if the writer isn't specifically saying you need to love one another, which if you read 1 John, John says it like 15 times, love one another, love one another, love one another. Um, So even if that's not what they're saying, um, they're dealing with matters that pertain to fellow Christians loving one another and loving one another well. It really isn't hard. Like go to a Bible app, go to like Bible Gateway, type in the words love one another, love one of your neighbor, love, love. Love one another, love your neighbor. Uh, you're going to find like 50 responses maybe. Um, and that's just when those words are strung together. Again, that's not talking about like, you know, how to, how to treat your brother when he, you know, has a log in his eye or whatever. Like, um, you know, there's all these, all these things um, that can be said here. So that's, that's what we're going to spend this episode talking about. We feel like it's a really relevant topic, something that in our COVID-19 2020 political season and that's just for being very specific but life in general um we as christians it's not that we just like should but like we need to love one another um you know i'll start just by quoting john 13 and then we'll, we'll sort of jump into the conversation but but this is what jesus says to his disciples a new commandment i give to you that you love one another just as i have loved you you are also to love one another by this, by this. So he's saying this, just as I have loved you, you need to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So that's John 13, 34 through 35. So this isn't just like a suggestion. It's just not a good idea. This is what Jesus says, his disciples, the people that are called by his name, Christians, this is... This is what we are to be defined by. This is this is what our life is. So I don't, Lucas. What 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 do you want to say, sort of, in our introduction here? <clears throat> That's a good question. Um. So I mean, I guess like it's easy. I, I don't think it's really controversial to say that like, oh, Christians are supposed to love each other or love the world and love God. You know, like love as sort of a central uh, defining characteristic or defining, you know, attribute of the church or of of Christian community in general and individual Christians. I don't think that's a very surprising or controversial statement because like you said, it's it's all plastered all over scripture um, and it's not just a New Testament thing um, because there's no such thing as just a New Testament thing. (laughs) But also we see it in the law. We see it in, in, I mean, the the very fabric of creation, 
I guess like, are you saying, you know, you say that this is what Christians are supposed to be defined by. How does that fit in with like right doctrine or, you know, being correct as, as in understanding what the Bible teaches? Cause isn't that kind of what we should define ourselves by is like who believes the truth like like is love more important than the truth i guess is kind of like a question that comes to mind when i hear you say that um yeah i mean i i guess they i would have to say they go hand in hand because anybody who is upholding what is true what is orthodox is upholding the love part of of what to do um though i i do understand what you're what you're trying to ask um <clears throat> yeah, I mean, there are times where fellowship will need to be broken, where there will need mm. to be a separation for the sake of truth. Like there, if there's somebody who's wanting to um, completely distance from historic Orthodox Christianity, then yeah, there might need to be a, a, a breaking of fellowship, at least maybe for worship, mm-hmm. um, depending on how severe, maybe in friendship as well. Um, but that's, wh- that's why like love is not... Um, just a mushy feel-good emotion but it is an an action it is a state of existence in a sense like it is a demeanor in which you treat someone with maybe just intrinsic value even if you disagree with them even if you can't you know get along on the surface you still recognize that this is another human who is created in God's image who um, I need to you know at least respect as a human if if just for that um but that's, yeah. that's sort of my my gut reaction to what you said. Yeah, and I guess that would have been probably even a, a more helpful place to start is like, what exactly is love? I mean, it's not like we're inventing a new definition. Love is patient and kind. <laughs> love doesn't envy or boast. Right. It is not self-seeking. You've heard it at every every single wedding you've ever been to. I actually... No, wait. That's not about marital love. I was, that's what's interesting. I was going to say there was one wedding where I didn't hear that, but but I'm remembering oh. it wrong. There was one wedding I went to where I heard that and then heard an awesome little homily where it wasn't misapplying that chapter into marital love exclusively. And I was like, huh, that's really Good. cool. Yeah. <laughs> we, we did not read it at our wedding just for listener's sake, just so you know. I don't think we did either. We did it really weird. We didn't have any. I would do it totally differently because now I would follow the oh, actual marriage liturgy. I would do it so different, yeah. But you know, back back then, I I didn't know such a thing existed, so I was such little noobs. <laughs> um, but yeah, love. Yeah, yeah, like, like I like what you say about sort of like a state of existence, just a sort of default, like way of being towards others, um, where it's it's more than a feeling and it's more than an action. It's both of those things, and and really so much more too if we're talking about love in, in the, the fullest sort of, exp, you know, like all-encompassing expression that we mean it by when we say, you know, Christian love or when we're talking about love in the context of loving our neighbor as ourself, that kind of thing. Like, um, obviously, you you can't do nice things for someone but, like, have nothing but bitterness in your heart towards them and say that you're loving because are you really loving them you know and you can't um have nothing but but positive you know uplifting um you know happy thoughts for someone inside and then do nothing to 
express that to them in tangible ways or, or to, to help them out when they need it or whatever, you know, that's not love either, you know, and that, that right. just point to James for that example. Um, you know, like, I mean, it's, it's, it's obviously both of these things and, um, it's not exclusive. You know what I mean? Like it's unique for Christians amongst other Christians, I think. But it's also not exclusive that we only love Christians or we only love right. the Christians that are like us or we only love the Christians that we know really well or, you know, whatever it is. Um, but, I mean, we see, you know, we see in, in, in the story of the incarnation, the entire gospel narrative, we see that acted out by God in Christ. And I think that that's a really good place to start if we want to say, like, what does it mean to love my neighbor, you know? Um and who is my neighbor? You know, Jesus has a little story about that. <laughs> um, yeah. But, but yeah, I don't know. I think that's a really helpful point to keep in mind of just how pervasive our love needs to be, because it's not, mm. you know, it's not an accident, an accidental, you know, piece of our faith or or something that's nice or something that we should aim for or like you said, something we should be doing. Um, it's in, in integral to the Christian life. It, it's not, there, there is no such thing as the Christian life or a Christian's life without love, you know, in, in right. the sense of God loves us in the sense that we love God. Um, but it doesn't, it doesn't stop there. It, it, that sort of exudes over into our human relationships as well as our relationship with God. And it's interesting, you know, it's funny, like, we didn't do a lot of prep for this episode. We, you came, when you, you, you thought of the idea of, like, talking about this, and you mentioned it to me, and I kind of knew exactly what you were talking about, even just as you were first posing the, the idea, because, right. we, you know, we both spend a lot of time on social media, on the internet, listening to podcasts, listening, you know, Twitter, YouTube, whatever, um, and a lot of that involves, you know, being interacting with and sort of being around online Christian circles, whether that's um, a theology podcast or following, you know, pastors or theologians on Twitter or, or whatever. Um, but so we see a lot of the sort of online, quote unquote, discourse that happens <laughs> Um it's not like the Areopagus or like what that used to be. It's, it's more like a, a, what, an echo chamber? Is that the word that is often used? Yeah, yeah. That's a, uh, yeah. So, I mean, you can even hear just the, the groans as I think about like, you know, the worst that Twitter has to offer or the worst that, you know, turning on the news has to offer in terms of like, you know, there's no other word besides discourse, but it's not really discourse. It's, it's no. you know whatever it is it's it's definitely not productive most of the time and this applies to countless topics that at any given moment might feel like the most important most heated topic ever um but there's always a most important most heated topic you know i think about um the riots following george floyd's murder i think about right. um debate around the proper response as far as schools reopening or staying closed this fall in, in light of the pandemic, I think about, um, you know, fill in the blanks, politician, 
made a speech this weekend and said this and this is why I hate it or this is why I love it you know and, and just the the way that these conversations happen specifically but between Christians is is what we're getting at today um, is painfully off base and, and yeah. that's not universal <laughs> by yeah. any stretch um, it is I think not a stretch either to say that it's very commonplace to come across just really off base non-loving interactions between christians who might disagree with each other on a certain issue or a certain event that's going on i'll give you an example just off the top of my head so beth moore who you don't have to agree with what beth moore says you don't have to be like a quote-unquote fan or a follower of her but all one has to do is look at the comments on any of her tweets it doesn't matter what she's saying and you're going to find some really hateful language coming from men and women who call themselves Christians. Um, so, like, this is just, like, example exhibit A, a very a microcosm of, of the greater problem that exists of why some people think it's okay to just publicly put such hateful words out into the world. I mean... Uh, I'll, I'll let you continue in a second, but I was I was thinking about something uh, I think Matt Emerson on Twitter said once about, um, you know, the words that we use, both the words that we speak, you know, on this podcast, in life, the way that you talk to your spouse, the way that you talk to your children, your friends, about your friends, um, all the words that you say on social media, like you're going to be held accountable for those words. So like maybe you should choose your words a little bit more carefully. Like, do you really have to send that tweet? What are you, what's, what are you gaining from sending it? Like that's, man, are, if, 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 if nothing else, social media, as John Piper said, I'm loosely paraphrasing, like social media is going to be exhibit A for God as to like why we, you know, didn't pray enough, why we didn't love enough. Like when he's, when, when we stand before his throne and he asks, you know, why, you know, why didn't you do these things? Or why, why did you do these things? Social media is going to be like one of those big, like, oh, there's a big X in the column of wasting time. Um, so sorry yeah just... yeah i think that's exactly right um and i think it's maybe i'd like to think that it's worse on social media because there's a there's a level of anonymity whether it's because you have an anonymous profile or just because you're not physically talking to someone face to face so it feels more removed um there's usually plenty of people who will take your side because it's a it's a public forum so it's not you know you're not alone in your opinions um and and those things aren't necessary well i was gonna say those things aren't necessarily bad i think anonymity really i i'm i struggle to think of a of a situation where i would say that like you know complete anonymity is a good thing (laughs) in any sort of like public, you know, forum. So uh, maybe that's not a good thing, but you know, like having a community of people who are interested in the same things as you are and who can, you can rally around a a cause that you all believe in or a shared um, goal that you all have. Like clearly those are good things, but I think that it, it works itself out online in a not so great way a lot of the time. And, and like I said, I'd like to think that those factors make it worse online if you're just scrolling through Beth Moore's comments than if you were to like 
follow her for a week in real life and just hang out with her and listen to the texts or the phone calls or the meetings she has or whatever. Right. Um, or, it, you know, look at, you know, the, the, the comments around the latest, you know, news story about the election, you know, compared to conversations after church on Sunday, you know, in the, in the fellowship hall about the upcoming election or whatever. Like, I'd like to think that the real life face-to-face community interactions are just like by and large better um i have no way of proving that either way but i I would like to think that and in my experience um it's true it's true that my my actual real life interactions are almost all pleasant and certainly not full of the vicious sort of biting you know just like the venom that that i see for, for peop- from people and, and towards other people. Um, and I think this might be a good point to transition to kind of like what we're really getting at is just like, yeah, we're not trying to say wear a mask or don't wear a mask. We're not trying to say, you know, open the schools, don't open the schools. What we're talking about today is just like, don't be a jerk to other Christians who are your brothers and sisters and you're united to them in the body of Christ and you're responding to their different political or social opinions with name calling or mockery or, you know, just other forms of demeaning them with your words online. And it's like, right. What are we, what are we doing? And I, and the reason I point out that we're not like trying to pick a side of a current event that's going on is because, I've seen equal amounts of uh, unpleasantness from, you know, like taking the debate on masks just as an example, not because I necessarily care to get into it, but just like as an example, I've seen equal amounts of just really bad faith arguments, unpleasant interactions and and unchristian words being thrown from go pound sand <laughs> from people who like that do wear masks and don't wear masks or or you know think you should and think you shouldn't and it doesn't it doesn't matter if there's a right side it doesn't matter if you're on the right side if you're not loving your neighbor as yourself let right. alone loving your Christian brothers and sisters as yourself and how you talk right. to them when they disagree with you about whether you wear a mask or, you know, whether you vote for this law or this congressman or whatever the, the current issue is, you know, and it's, it's, I don't know. It just, the reason, like I said, way at the beginning, like I, I knew exactly what you were talking about when you were like, Hey, let's talk about this because I see it every day in all every manner day. of topics, theological debates, social debates, political debates. And I say debates, again, super loosely because we're talking about like primarily online interactions from people sitting behind their screens. And I'm guilty of that too. I spend too much time on Twitter just as much as Lucas and I argue on Twitter like weekly. (laughs) (laughs) Just this week, you can go back and read about our little talk about limited atonement. It was a good time. I seriously was not angry at all. I was really enjoying it. But like, that's the other thing I think in this conversation is tone Mm. is almost never picked up in digital writing Mm. even in a book like you can't hear their voice you can't see their face you don't you know you don't hear the inflection you don't see their mannerisms like 
when you're reading something, it just always sounds angry, especially if you're just having like a, I don't know if debate's the right word, but having discourse on a yeah. topic. It can just Going sound back and like... Forth on a, on a, if you're disagreeing with someone, you're naturally right. inclined to put up defenses towards each other. And I think, right. like what you're saying, you're more prone to fill in some blanks in a negative way instead of fill in some blanks in some positive way. Giving ways. the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. If you don't see someone's face, facial expressions and their tone and all that kind of stuff. Um, right. And especially and if you like, don't know the person. Like... I find it really easy to read your tone when I read your tweets because I've heard you speak so I can like hear you, you know, I, I know, you know, I know you well enough that I can be like, oh, you know, he's, you know, I, I can imagine him saying this in real life versus someone who I've never seen before who I just see a tweet out of context. I have no way of knowing the person's, you know, tone because I have no basis or background or history with the person. And that's just another factor, I think, too. It's easier to hate, quote-unquote, someone you don't know personally than someone you do, right. you know? Like, if... And, and, you know, to sort of shine the spotlight on myself, like, you and I can go back and forth on Twitter on Limited Atonement, and it actually feel like a meaningful conversation, even though it's over social media. But me and a stranger... You know, if a stranger had hopped in to that conversation to like start telling me why I was wrong. I would not respond nearly as healthily or lovingly as, or just even just, you know, civilly <laughs> as I would to you because it's a stranger right. who's just coming in, coming after me, telling me why I'm wrong, blah, 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 blah. And that's, you know, that's, I think that that's, not okay but i think it's natural and we mm. really have to guard against it as any you know just everybody should be but as christians especially you know as christians yeah. interacting with other christians especially especially like this is what again to quote jesus by this they will know that you are my disciples by the love that you have for one another yeah i i don't know if i don't know if you're familiar at all with any of the works of francis schaefer he was, like, mm -hmm. a pretty popular writer, I think, in, like, the 70s and 80s, um, I, or maybe even before that, I don't know. But um, I read one of his books called The Mark of a Christian, and he basically goes through, and in the beginning, he's kind of talking about, like, you know, you know, basically, like, saying, what if we knew of, you know, like, this one thing that set all Christians apart that, you know... I mean, not to get into, like, Mark of the Beast language, but, like, the mark of a Christian. That's, like, this is sort of the stamp that you know these people are Christians, you know these people aren't Christians. Which is what the Mark of the Beast means. <laughs> it's the opposite of being marked as a Christian. It's not a physical, literal mark. Just saying. <laughs> um, but... <laughs> oh, boy. But... Um, we'll have an episode on it, don't worry. Uh at some point down the, like, I don't remember how long it takes him to, to get to the point, but, like, he kind of, like, builds up to revealing what he's saying the mark of the Christian is. And the mark of the Christian is love. You know, it's not right. a certain doctrine or belief. It's not the Holy Spirit. You know, not, not, please listen to me. I'm not, like, pushing away the Holy Spirit as the sign and seal of our salvation or ignoring right doctrine as important but i'm saying like right based and and he's basing it on these these exact same words of jesus that it is by our love that will be known 
to not just each other, but to the world. And in the the world, to those watching. Yeah, and in the book, he goes on to say, and this was a a really profound little book. It's it's a really quick read, um, but a he goes on to to talk about how when when the church fails in this, what's actually happening is our witness is compromised. It's not just that we're not living into something that Jesus wants for us, commands from us, and you know, gives to us, which would be bad enough. But in doing so, by not loving each other, we're fracturing the church and thereby rendering our witness far less effective. You know, like whether, whether we're talking about evangelism or just like the way that the world might look at us as a group of people who bicker and, and snap at each other. Like that's not a very appealing uh, like reputation for for a group you know what i mean like an argumentative right. bunch of angry you know people is it so it's um i guess i bring that up to say like it's it's really important <laughs> to yeah. to bear that mark by actually loving each other it doesn't make it easy to just because i know it's important doesn't mean that i do it well um but but we strive to. We, I we mean, strive to. It's the goal. It's what, it's what we should all be working and praying for in our own lives remi- and more broadly speaking. Yeah. I'm reminded, actually, of one of the one of my favorite sermons that I've ever heard actually took place um, at a camp, at a retreat that I was hosting. I invited my old youth pastor to come um, give one of, like, the sessions. And he, he was talking, he, he used, I think it was, First Corinthians like 12 and 13, um, talking about the love. Again, Paul writing to a church about loving one another. Um, he, he said, it, you know, when you ask the question, what is the opposite of love? So if we're talking about what does it actually mean to love somebody, um, you know, you might ask the question, what is the opposite of love? Oftentimes people will say hate, like so lo- hatred is the opposite of love. Um, the point that he wanted to make in the sermon is not, not hatred, but the opposite of love is actually self-love. Um, and the point that he was making was like, by love, we can, I mean, you can, it's not a direct synonym, but you can talk about selflessness as opposed to selfishness. Because um, when, when we really think about our lack of love for people, you know, marital love is a great example. When you think about uh, covenant love between a man and a woman and the relationship that they have, and you can see it. I'm sure if you're a married person, you can see the various myriad of ways that you are selfish. And when you're selfish, you are not loving your wife. You know, Jesus or uh, Paul says to love your wives like Christ loved the church. And how did he do that? He gave himself up. He gave up his life. He is the epitome of selflessness. And again, that was one of like such a really good sermon that he gave. And, you know, shout out to you, Josh, if you're listening. That was it really hit me like right where I needed to get hit for a lot of reasons that I might explain to you later. Um, but, um, yeah, like when we think about our, our, our current culture, you know, you mentioned, you know, we're living in the aftermath a little bit of, um, you know, George Floyd's murder and, um, the, the, the protests, um, some people might say riots and even just using those two different words, if you call them protests or if you call them riots, um, uh, you know, masks and social distancing. Don't even get me started on the fact that it's not November yet. And like very soon we're going to have election season. Like 
oh man, it's going to be, I'm not really ready for the vitriol that's going to be social media, but like, man, if in fact that we as Christians are beacon out into the world, you know, pretend we're a lighthouse, the way that, you know, that light shining out, the reason you know it's a lighthouse is because you can tell what kind of light it is coming off that beacon, uh, like in a very similar way, uh, you know, Christians, the way that you love for one another is evidence that, oh yeah, that's coming from a Christian because of the way that I'm being treated, whether it is a neighbor or a fellow brother. Um, and like one of the things that makes me just so sad, and again, we're not trying to tell you wear a mask, don't wear a mask. I mean, I do think in general, you should wear a mask because again, if you're being selfless, you're thinking about other people more. Um, so like you're, you're, you're giving consideration to like, wow, yeah, the people at the, so I'll give you an example. I was at the gas station today. I had to get gas. I went inside to pay. And there was a dude, there are signs everywhere that says you must wear a mask as you enter this store. He comes in not wearing a mask and the lady at the counter confronts him. He's like, oh, I don't care. It's not that big a deal. You know how many people come in here and are touching stuff? Like how many people are out there touching that gas pump? Like you really think I care all that much about like wearing a mask? He actually started like going off on this woman who was just saying, sir, can you put on a mask? And it's like, can you, sh I mean, that's a real example of not loving very well. That's being selfish, only thinking about like what you want, what, what is most convenient for you, as opposed to like, wow, you know, there might be people in this store who have to come here for groceries or food, um, but you know, they have a compromised immune system or they know somebody who is um, more susceptible to getting ill. Like these are just like the super practical, super easy to see implications of like, the world that we're living in and sure maybe i'm not i'm not going to make definitive statements either way because i'm not a doctor and i don't know everything there are a lot of people that think they are doctors that know everything um but like sure let's just say let's just say that covid is not as bad as they think it's not as um you know it doesn't pass as easily as everyone says it passes it's really not a big deal let's let's just say that's reality still wear a mask just in case it is a big deal like we, we, the fact is that we still don't know. We don't know the long-term repercussions. We don't know like what this could do. Like I, I was seeing like new research that like people who have had COVID that recovered are later now developing like heart conditions that are problematic. Again, there's just so much that we're learning at such a quick rate. We, it's hard to take in all this information. And so until we can like look at this, you know, maybe five years, like maybe distance ourselves a little bit, it's really hard to make such rash judgments um, especially when we're talking about like how do we reconvene as churches you know john MacArthur's church reopens and is like we're defying our governmental you know ma civil magistrates we're gonna you know we don't bow to caesar we bow to christ or maybe your big thing is like kneeling during national anthems whatever it is like these are all like you know maybe important and maybe certain circumstances i'm not going to make any judgment calls on these things maybe you can already sense my tone um, but what I'm saying is like at the core as believers, our platform shouldn't be, um, you know, political agendas, but our platform should be Christian love, Christian fellowship, uh, brotherly affection. And I, it, it saddens me, like we're saying, like when I go on social media and all I see it. It just seems to be like hatred. It seems to be anger. It seems to be malice. Everybody's got to have the upper hand. Everyone's got to be right. Um, but I'm just going to read a couple examples of scripture here. James 2.8. If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, 
quote, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing well. So if you really do that, if you really love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing well as a believer. Or Romans 13, 9, for the commandments, and these are the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. So he's talking about these commandments that were in the Ten Commandments. And any other commandments, they are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Like Paul is basically saying, when, when we said don't commit adultery, don't murder, don't covet, don't steal, at its core, we're talking about loving your neighbor as yourself. If you commit adultery, you're not loving your spouse or that person. If you murder somebody, murder is like almost the exact opposite of love. You're killing somebody, like probably pretty angrily. Um, stealing, coveting, like these, all these things are summed up in saying you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And I'll just maybe wrap up what I'm saying with Mark 12, 30 and 31. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Obviously, that's like the first and greatest commandment. The second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Like, so obviously, if you were to like ask a Christian, what is the greatest commandment? Even if you ask somebody out in the world, this is what they're going to say. And I just want to like hit them upside the head and be like, then do it. Like, why are you not listening? Why are you not obeying? And I know that like, I'm being a little cynical and I'm being a little like ironic. And I want, I just want to get the point across is that like, I am not trying to be angry or, um, you know, unloving in what I'm saying. I'm trying to be like, lovingly firm in like, that these things are important. They do matter. They're not like, they're not just things that are going to go away there you know as much as we want things to go back to normal things are going to be different for a while even in a couple years i have to imagine that like social distancing social distancing stuff is going to be put in place i can almost guarantee you that concerts sporting events um large gatherings are not going to be what they've been for a long time and that's something that we're going to have to learn to kind of like live with and just to be honest and frank like Think about world history and the various events that have transpired and taken place. There was once a time in our nation where like people were like ready and willing to bend over backwards to like fight for a good cause. You know, let's say it's World War One or World World War Two, like when, you know, factories and other places needed to be like recommissioned to like, you know, provide for the war efforts. People were like, yeah, let's, let's do it. Let's rally together. Let's work a little bit harder, do a little bit more and like make this work. Whereas like today it's like, let's wear some masks. Let's social distance. Let's be careful. And people are like, nah, I'm going to go to the beach and get wasted and like have a good time. It's like, okay, but are you really loving the people that you're there with? Like if all you're concerned about is you having a good time and Maybe I should stop saying before I say like unloving things, um, but I'm just, I'm trying to draw your attention to the fact that something greater is at hand. And if, if you're somebody who believes in God's sovereignty and God's providence as much as I do, is it so hard to think that maybe all of this is happening in God's providence? Um, you know, I, I think it's cheesy sometimes when people quote Esther, but like for such a time as this, like, you know what I mean? Like, man, what a, what a good example of like, man, we're in a really tough spot. I really don't like having to wear a mask when I go out everywhere. Maybe it is a little bit hard to breathe sometimes like, okay, but you know what? I have friends, I have family myself. <laughs> um, but if I'm thinking about others first, like there are people who could be at risk and I don't want to, I don't want to pass anything to them. I don't want to get anything myself, but again, I'm more concerned about those who are 
around me. And that's, I think, what our disposition should be as Christians. So I don't, I don't know if you have, have anything else you want to say as we maybe sort of wrap things up a little bit. Or Yeah, I think it's helpful to look at those specific cases, where we're, whether we're talking about masks and, and whether or not we you know, think it's worth it or important, or if we're talking about, you know, uh, churches reopening or not reopening or schools or, you know, whatever we're talking about where we have these sorts of, you know, disagreements come up because there are different opinions, you know, politics and, you know, who to vote for is is a really good example as well. Um, It's easy it's easy to get fired up about those things. It's easy to feel very strongly about those things. And I think a lot of the times that that's a good thing. And we should feel strongly about these important issues that are not always easy to work out, um, but are important because they affect the lives of ourselves and people around us. Um, and so I think it's really helpful to kind of like run through a few like examples of, of, areas of disagreement and then kind of remember like you were saying like this is the disposition of putting others counting others more worthy than ourselves the disposition of loving our neighbors as ourselves means underneath and above all of the you know fired up conversations we have and debates we have with people who have different opinions than ours is where that love needs to be it's not about you know we need to love each other, meaning we need to like figure out the right answer. And then once we have it, we get the right answer and we're right. And everyone else is wrong. Right. I don't actually care who's right. You know, when when we're talking about this conversation, I don't care who's the right candidate to vote for. I don't care who's, uh, whether or not it's right to wear masks or good or bad or something in between. I have opinions and those things matter. But when we're talking about this conversation, What's above and beyond all that is, again, like Jens is saying, the disposition. When you're talking to someone who listens to everything you just said and says, yeah, I hear where you're coming from, but like, I, I, I disagree about the masks X, Y, Z. Are you able to have that conversation lovingly? Of course, it's a two-way street. <laughs> if the other person is arguing in bad faith or whatever, you're going to get frustrated and it's that's a, that's of course (laughs) but as far as our own heart towards others it's really important i think even in these most intense of conversations that we might have with the things that feel the most high stakes and the things that are the most high stakes at times um you know for me i'm getting ready to move so i've become you know across the country i've become in the last couple weeks much more concerned of of covid than i have been for the last few months because if i catch covid i can't go to school i can't go to work my wife can't go to work we can't pay rent whether or not i'm not worried about dying from it you know what i mean but like my circumstances have have changed in a way that have raised the stakes so it kind of is a bigger deal to me there are people who are have you know live with their elderly grandparents who have heart condition or lung conditions or whatever the stakes are higher for them than it is for me. You know, I'm going to be okay. I don't have to worry, you know, statistically speaking, I don't have to worry about myself or those in my immediate family dying because some 
idiot catches COVID at a party and then spreads it to the grocery store. You know what I mean? Like, but there are people who do have to worry about that to a much higher degree than I do. And that is, is just yet another motivator. I think to having that love and that care of, you, you know, why do we have to be fighting? You know, when we disagree, it's so easy to, to, to fight when we disagree instead of discuss when we disagree. Um, right. And that goes again, like I said before, it goes for me too with, with strangers yeah, on the we're internet. All, we're all guilty. Yeah. Strangers on the internet, family members, friends on the phone, you know, take your pick. Like I'm, I have a very, I'm, I'm quick to sort of jump on stuff and jump down Same. people's throats when I sense a debate. And that's a flaw that and we I all have. want to be right. That's the thing. <laughs> and and like we all want to be right in a conversation right. in an argument. Right. And I just think that, that, even if this was a little rambly, I hope this conversation was was maybe a reminder. I know it is for me to just recenter our attention when we're when we're talking about anything yeah. with another human. That conversation ought to be done with a with a heart disposition and an intention to love that person um, yep. as ourselves, love our neighbor as ourselves. So. So yeah, and that means like maybe we haven't even defined it, but we'll just real quick say that, that means like esteeming others as like sometimes even more significant than yourself, meaning giving greater consideration mm-hmm. to them and their needs and wants right. than to your needs and wants. That's, that's like a really simple way to say it. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> so I think um, <laughs> to close for our prayer, um, I'm actually just gonna pray out of John 17. The, the whole chapter, it's Jesus' high priestly prayer. Um, so this is, uh, you know, after the Last Supper, he's, he's praying um, with and for the disciples um, but prior to his arrest and crucifixion. Um, and I think that it's, it's a, <laughs> not just for this conversation, is it a meaningful, or like a really meaningful and, and I don't know profound prayer to meditate on and to pray through. So in the words of our Lord, let's pray. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes... <laughs> now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine. And glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction, so that scripture would be fulfilled. I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world, so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. 
My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I and them and you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Once again, so much for listening to this episode of the Doxology Podcast. If you'd like to connect with us, hit us up on Twitter or Instagram at Doxology Podcast, or shoot us an email at doxologypodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your feedback, questions, ideas for future episodes, um, you know, things you want to yell at us about because we disagree with you, um, you know, whatever. Sign up for our newsletter for a weekly update on upcoming episodes and happenings in the Doxology Podcast world. Check out logos.com slash doxologypodcast for more info from our sponsor, Logos Bible Software. And until next time, we hope to see you on the Twitters and the Instagrams and the emails, um, but only if you agree to love each other. Yep. Peace. Peace.